Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Shotgun Start Podcast. Today is Monday, September 25th. Joseph, how you doing? Andy, <laughs> I'm doing well. This is, I'm pretty excited to do this. The This is kind of like my favorite time of year. So I think just generally in, a, in better spirits around this time of year. So I'm excited to do it. Thanks for having me. Oh, you know, it is, it is a great time of year. I was, uh, I was all set. For big Sunday, you know, my wife had something in the middle of the day. That means I'm on kid duty. You know, our daughter still naps for three hours. It's like, you know, you get to noon. It's like noon to three. She's just out. And I was like, this can't ask for much more. The golf, the meaningful golf's done. I'm going to enjoy a football afternoon on the couch. And uh, then my daughter just decided not to nap. So, you know. My brain is so warped at this point that when you just said 12 to 3, I was thinking that's like a coverage gap or a coverage nap. Like everything now, those time frames are in, in uh, terms of, of golf broadcast windows. The good news was that, uh, you know, I didn't really want to watch football quickly in the Bears game. It was it was very, <laughs> very, very soon after it started, I realized I didn't want to watch it. Pretty ugly day for you. I got a question. You're a Colts fan. Are you? Uh, are you excited? Is there controversy? Should Gardner Minshew be starting? No, no controversy. Is Minshew mania, Minshew mania sweeping uh, Indy. No, we're good with Anthony Richardson, and we're on to next week. There's no drama here. It's a well-run organization, and we're on to next week. Yeah, uh, it's uh, the sky's falling in Chicago. There, everybody's everybody's on the chopping block at this point. So yeah, they're gonna have some right. jobs for for hire. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk Solheim Cup. That was the big event this week. Uh, it ended in a tie. Uh, the Europeans uh, actually retained the cup since they've won the last two. I, I heard all this chatter on the television, like, "Oh, this is this is crap." That you know, the team that wins that that's holding the cup. I'm like, what? What are we? What are we doing here? Why are we arguing about this? They're arguing that you know this. They, you should just change the rules of the event. Because in 2023, it, it seems unjust that if you tie, you don't get the cup. What do you think about that? I think the complaints are unwarranted. Uh, I'm always here for a discussion of like, could this be better? But I don't think there's anything unjust about a tie. You got to go take it. The team that's up, yeah, what? you got to beat them. It, it's like that, that seems very legit. I think it's an example of we'll complain about anything. But I'm, I have no issue with it. I think it's totally fine. You know, pickup basketball games don't end in ties, but you got to beat the team to take the court. I think even an analogy could be in some fighting sports. Like I, I think, sort of informally in MMA and UFC, and I'm, I would think in boxing. Like if you're fighting the champion and it's close, they give it to the champion, and, and that it's sort of a similar thing here. Like you got to prove that you took it. 
Did you watch much of the Solheim Cup? All right, there are a lot of ways we can go here. So I watched like four or five hours on Friday, and I watched, I'd say, two and a half to three hours on Sunday. Truly, the reason I didn't watch more was because of the broadcast. Like, and, and we can get into that, as I'm sure we can, but I don't want to overshadow the play necessarily. So where do you want to start? Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to be fully transparent. This is one of my few weekends at home uh, in, uh, in, in this month. Um, and I, uh, I spent a lot of time with the fam. I watched a, I watched a good amount this morning. Uh, I watched the last like probably three hours of it this morning, which was quite early here in, uh, in, uh, California. But, um, I didn't, I thought it was going to be on later to be completely honest. And then I, I woke up, I woke up at five just cause, uh, you know, another, you know, my daughter woke up, so I, I was up at five, uh, but um, I woke up and I was like, well, I might as well just turn on the Solheim Cup. And I was like, whoa, they're finishing at eight, you know. Um, but anyways, the the it was an awesome, awesome end today. Uh, just with I don't, I mean, there were a lot of matches hanging in the balance. Obviously, it ended in a tie and it was very close. But a couple matches got flipped, um, some the U.S. way, some the European way. And I can't think of a more storybook ending then Carlota Singanda, who, you know, on this podcast gets brought up mostly for her, her slow play and her commentary about slow play. <laughs> but, you know, it was so unbelievably cool to see her effectively hit, you know, two to, you know, inside three feet the la- on 16 and 17 to ice her match and, w- and retain the cup in her home country. I mean, I don't think you could write up a better finish for the Solheim Cup. No, it was great. A big story of this Solheim Cup or a lasting takeaway for me will be that the the women under pressure stepped up and hit a lot of terrific golf shots. And it's just a reminder of how fun this format is and how the pressure kind of rivals major championships in a way. Uh, but for Carlo de Seganda and for others to step up and hit the shots when they had to is pretty awesome. I think that's just something in general with match play. Closing out a match, beating one of the best players in the world, it 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 there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot more pressure than shooting 68 in a stroke play round. I you know, anybody that's played in in both probably would agree with this. I I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Um I think like that's one of the things that golf's missing is is that on a regular basis and it's why these team events are so awesome is like it's really hard to close out one of the best players in the world. And, you know, we saw it with uh headwall who was like, you know, was on the bench for, <laughs> for the first day and a half. And, you know, I was wondering like, what, what's, could this, could this woman just not play? I I'm, I'm just going to put out there. I'm not a woman's golf expert. I watch a decent amount. I, I'm not, I would never say that I, I know much about as much about it as, as say men's golf. Um, but, um, you know, and then she just turns on the burners on the back nine and flips the match with Ali Ewing. That I mean, that was ended up being the uh, the big change there. From thirteen on, she went birdie, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, eagle. So pretty crazy finish there for Headwall, and uh, and that was that was kind of those were the kind of the two matches that really stuck out to me was was you know her like just getting on a heater and, and turning it on and flipping that match. And, and, and then also the Saganda match. 
Yeah, the other thing that, and again, I'm, I'm like you, I, I, it's, I think it's really hard to follow both men's golf and women's golf in great detail because they... Utterly impossible. It's very difficult. So, so maybe what I'm about to say is stating the obvious, but I was so impressed with Megan Kang, and that's like one of my big lasting impressions. I know she's on the losing end, but she played phenomenally. I was so impressed with her. Even putts she was missing, she was burning edges. She hit her irons unbelievably well. Seemed to have a lot of confidence about her and kind of how she steadied the ship with Rosang. Like when they were when they were partners, I couldn't almost couldn't get enough of watching her play. I think she was my favorite player to watch this weekend. Um, and the the other point I was going to make the putt. This is a thing. It's just a reminder. Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, putting feels almost like a different sport putting in, in a Ryder cup or Solheim cup versus putting in a normal tour stop. Like Andrea Lee and Georgia hall both had birdie looks on 17. Did you see this? Yeah. And Andrea Lee burns the edge to tie the match. It's like this dramatic moment where it feels like she was going to get the hole, but she doesn't. And then Georgia hall hits it like four feet past and misses coming back in the momentum yeah. swing from putt to putt there of like, oh my gosh, it's the Americans. And then, oh, Georgia Hall can put her away. Back to swinging for the Americans. There's so, not, many, there's not so much just more swinging, emotion involved. Not just swinging. From going to, from, you know, Dormy on 18 right. to all square. It, that was a crazy a point. Crazy. And, and that was that was what was so great about the Sunday, right? Is it looked really bad. When I turned on the TV, it looked really bad for the Americans. And then Angel Yin had a sneaky flip. Like, if... If the Americans win, that would have been one of the matches that would have been the pivotal matches. And, you know, this is I, I what I think is cool about this is Angel Yin had a terrific year in major championships. The numbers don't bear it out. Right. She she had some really bad Sundays, but she had she was in the mix. I want to say at least four times in major championships, a minimum three times in major championships were on Sunday. She had a chance to win. Didn't get it done ever, and then to, and then today it was looking kind of kind of tough, and all of a sudden she just turned it on, made an eagle on the fourteenth, and then finished birdie birdie on sixteen and seventeen to close out her match against Celine Boudier, who is a major champion herself this year. So like, you know, it's it's amazing these little uh, it's it's so many. I think I think one of the things we love about major championships is that we you you invest all this time. And a lot of times major championships come down to like one moment and it's like this, this big investment paying off, right? Where it's this, the sequence happens and you remember back to something you saw with match play is similar to these major championships where you get the payoff multiple times. It's like, you're seeing, Oh, she made this amazing par save. And that really hung in, kept her in it. And then it, it just like waited till she got hot. And that's the beautiful thing about 18 hole matches is like very rarely, sometimes it happens where somebody's just hot for 18 holes. What usually happens is it's kind of like a boxing match where, you know, one person's on the offensive, then it's, you know, they might be sparring for a little bit and then somebody else goes on the offensive. Like it comes and goes in waves. Yeah. It, it's funny. I hadn't really thought about this, but when when you said when you first checked the leaderboard, like it looked really bad for 
the, the U.S. side. or I'm, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. point. Yeah, it looked bad for the U.S. side. Then all of a sudden it looked bad for the Europeans. And then Headwall came up, flipped it back. Then all of a sudden it looked bad for the Americans again. Yeah, so, so kind of what that was sparking as you were saying that, I don't know why I'd sort of forgotten about this sensation, but the feeling of looking at one of these team leaderboards and seeing the colors that are lit up, it's cool. And just seeing like, okay, three to three and like they're kind of dominating those and you start doing the calculations in your head. Like that is a really cool experience of learning this tournament over time and knowing like, oh, well, we've seen this flip quickly before and and kind of remembering back to past Solheim Cups and Ryder Cups and kind of the wise people, the experienced people saying like this ain't you know, what the board looks like right now isn't what it's going to look like in two hours. Like that experience of learning a tournament like this, I think is really exciting and following the leaderboard. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, one thing that wasn't really great was the coverage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody's going to get on this and, and I think it was, it was illuminated early on with Stacy Lewis's comments this week about the lack of promotion for the Solheim cup. Uh, it came down to the network and the network didn't even send their producer, Tommy Roy out there for the event. Um, they're billing this as the biggest event in women's and women's sports. And there's no NBC producer on on the ground producing the event. Um, I've been told by multiple people this will be the case for for next week with the Ryder Cup. Um, I I just think that we're going to get pretty mediocre footage, uh, mediocre coverage for both of these events, which is sad because they're huge events. And uh, frankly, golf fans deserve better. Yeah, I'm frustrated. Uh, it's kind of a frustrating conversation because people get mad when you do the coverage takes, but I think this one's particularly important, Andy, because I, I don't. Th- it's not all about like me. I'm not saying I need to be the end consumer, but I'm somebody who really loves golf, and I was kind of in- I was genuinely insulted by the broadcast to the point where I actually did watch less, and I was planning to watch Saturday morning, and I decided consciously not to because of the the broadcast, not out of protest. I just felt a little insulted by it. You're watching matches where it says this putt is to win the hole and then she makes it. And then the other woman in the group still has a putt. It's like that. Okay. So that graphic was wrong. There were graphics that were wrong all over the place. They showed very few golf shots. Sometimes you didn't know who they was showed, hitting and who they the showed more was. scenery than golf shots. It, it was, the, they kept cutting to these like, just like high shots of the sea. It, it was, it made me upset. It really did not again. Like I don't feel entitled to the product catering to me, but it turned me off to the point I did engage with it less. And that's the, what one of the main stories is I, the women deserve better. They deserve an event that's easy to engage with. You can't go to, there's no shot tracker. So if you go on the website, you can't see what happened on certain holes and they're not showing you what happened on the holes. It's insulting to the viewer. It really is. Yeah. I think the, the big one, I think it was, uh, a- Andrea Lee made a big putt on Saturday um, and it wasn't even shown. It's like eight, eight matches. There's eight balls in play. Four um, alternate shot matches. Eight, eight balls to keep track of, and you can't. And it was a putt. Well, on Sunday, didn't Carlota Siganda shank a yes. shot on the, and it was never shown. And that's she's that one of on the, the stars yeah. coming one down the, the stretch. Right, coming down the stretch. One of the heroes of this Solheim Cup shanked a ball, and then went on to hit some of the. Shots that should go down in the history books, and they're not even. We don't even have evidence of that. I don't think there. I don't think any evidence was ever. 
I think there was a tweet at some point. Um, but it it was a huge abyss. It was it was rough. I I kind of feel bad for the announcers that were. I mean, like they're gonna get get a lot of the blame, but like they they didn't get to start from much. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you know uh, being a Bears fan right now. You did you got no no hope before you start. You're starting twenty points down effectively with with what's going on. So and then when you this, uh, when you cut up a highlight reel too after Leona McGuire finishes her match, the next thing they cut to is an interview of her and like a minute two minute highlight reel of hers from the day. That now we're missing even more golf, and then another commercial comes after that. Here's the thing: just put her highlight reel on social media, and people can go back and watch it. But live shots need to be shown live. I, 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 it's unbelievable how it feels so simple. Like if there was a broadcast that just showed shot after shot after shot after shot, I don't think people would have a problem, right? And I get like there's like this thing with with women's golf like you need some storytelling because I would say that like the Solheim Cup captures a wider audience that people might not be as familiar with the players. Um, I think I'm fairly familiar with almost all the LPGA Tour players. Like I don't know like everybody's life story. I'm probably on the diehard scale of things, but but like the it captures this a little bit wider net and I know you need storytelling, but you can't do all the storytelling. You can't do all that in one, in one sitting that it's going to take time. And what's more important, especially when there's 12 singles matches out there is showing the singles matches. Now I have to say my, my only disappointment, it's just a guilty pleasure is, uh, is I think that the most electric, um, situation as golf is Lexi Thompson coming down the stretch trying to get something done and I do feel like Saganda kind of cheated us of that yeah Lexi Lexi Thompson she gets me to watch golf when she's in contention like that I almost set a timer for that so interesting to watch her uh do we she she did play really well she did, and then it got to like 15, 14, and it's just like it was like, oh no! <laughs> like I thought she was going to close it out. She was in the middle of the fairway with that wedge, and she hits one of the worst wedges. I think it was a wedge, at least. Like, just she must have missed that twenty-five yards right into the bunk. Like it was like, whoa! Like this, I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. She's just going to get this done. Patterson wasn't playing well. Like. She's playing well, and and then all of a sudden, like Lexi's shit starts happening again. Yeah, pretty fascinating to watch and, and to see the opposite end of the spectrum with some of the women like Carlota Saganda who stepped up and hit the shots. It's just, the disparity is massive. Yeah, um, I she she had a, like a very bad chip on Saturday. I saw that you know then uh, there's a little controversy. Jess Corda was was mad that media was asking her about the chip, um, which. You know, I think that's what press conferences are for. Yeah. Do you want to? So I don't know how much this needs to be set up, but to the Lexi's response, more or less, was I don't have to answer that question. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I guess I land somewhere in the middle where I think Lexi came across really poorly and as unlikable in that clip. 
And also for Stacy Lewis, the captain being like, that was a bad question. It's a fair question, clearly, to ask about the chip. I don't know that I, I would ask it, I guess, because I don't know what you really want her to say, but I don't think she answered it atrociously either. Like I did, I just didn't really have a strong, there was a lot of strong takes on it in social media. I just thought Lexi Thompson came across poorly and that it was a fair question. I wasn't like outraged like others seem to be. Yeah, I I don't I don't get the um if you don't want to answer if you know you're going to get asked that question just decline the interview, right? But like this is a pretty normal thing in sports. If somebody misses a free throw down the stretch like that to ice a game, they get asked about the free throw, right? And it's a really easy question is like, "Hey guys, I hit a bad shot." Right? Like, that's all you have to say. But but as a fan, he, here's where I'm like, here's where my pushback is. And I could be wrong. Maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. From a fan's perspective, I love the way that she answered that question. Because it, it sheds more light on who Lexi Thompson is as a person. And we complain all the time about these people who don't show enough character and they just give you the blanket. Like, I don't know. I hit a bad shot. What do you want me to say? She gave us Lexi Thompson on that answer. And from purely a fan's perspective, that is what I want. So I'm not sure how much I'm like disappointed in the response. She did answer it. She said, I don't have to answer that. Hit a bad shot. It was nearly impossible. I think she gave me what I want, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You got you got a lens into her, right? Isn't that what we want? Yeah, that's what we always want. We just want... You know, you you just want authenticity and you want the ability to connect like, you know, like millions of fans connected uh, with Travis Kelsey today. Ugh. That I, I have nothing for you on, on Taylor Swift dating life is not something I follow super closely. And I kind of like Taylor Swift, but I couldn't care less. Um, all right. You got any uh, parting thoughts on Solheim Cup? Yeah, one you may get mad, not mad at me, but you may not want to talk about this, but I'm just interested in your opinion. I don't have an opinion on it. Yeah. Roseang did not, did not play well this Solheim Cup. I mean, she really didn't play well if you watched the matches. Is there anything to glean from that? I mean, we talk a lot about not having too high of expectations and how that's unfair, but I also think it was a story from this Solheim Cup. What did you think? Um... Yeah, I mean, I I would say like it was in my notes that she played pretty bad, and I would you know I I think like I'm not afraid to talk about it. I right. I'm fine talking about it. I think the people that are afraid to talk about it were the ones that were proclaiming she's going to be the number one player in the world after one week of professional golf, right? Like it's the same. It's a it's it was a ab- absurd absurd, um. Situation like I thought it was awful what happened to her after she won. I thought it was amazing that she won, but then the expectation level of like this is the savior of women's golf was absolutely insane because she's like the same age as the number one ranked player in the world, right? Like this, it, it was it was crazy. Like I I love Roseng. I went I went and watched her while she was while she was in college because I wanted to see her. And I've I've spoken with her. I I you know I I just think it was insane and in, uh, what the golf world did to her. Um, and now everything feels like a disappointment when it should be like, 
hey, this girl turned pro six months ago and was playing in the Solheim Cup. How awesome is that? She didn't play well, but she'll be back next year. Like, that should be the takeaway, right? But we had this, like, this situation where the expectations got completely thrown out of whack by, you know, it's just, that's not how a lot of, you know, there are very, very few players that, like, actually live up to expectations the way Rose Zhang was, you know, like they were talking about Tiger. It's like, wait a second. Like you're talking about Tiger when she's literally being paired with Lydia Ko, who, I mean, or I mean, even Lexi Thompson, if she has a career as good as Lexi Thompson's career, we're talking about a great, great career. And I feel like that was all set up poorly and it, it shouldn't have been this way because she won. It should, it, you know, we got to like have some, I, I get having fun. I like to have fun. I mean, we could, one of the things here we could talk about is someone who I thought was going to be really great, who just got his PGA tour card. And, but like the same thing happened with him where these expectations were just, you know, expectations are the worst thing in golf. They're the, the worst thing that can happen to you. Actually. So, that was an awesome response. I specifically cared about your opinion on it because when the Rose Zhang discussions have happened, you've, you've been consistently saying, let's temper our expectations. Because one of my questions, do the people who say that she's the next Tiger Woods not follow professional golf? Like the entire story of professional golf is people being at the height of their powers and being projected, the, having these outrageous expectations and then losing it. That's what happens Time over time, everyone should know that there's no such thing as a can't miss prospect. So why, why was that happening? Do you think part of it is that by billing her that way, it's just more glamorous and, and you can cover it in a more interesting way and track her progress? Is that the underlying reason that those expectations are heaped upon her? I, I, I mean, it was super exciting, right? Like I... I think this is the thing, right? It's like when you, if your team starts three and zero in the NFL, it's like all of a sudden your expectations go like through the moon, right? And almost anything disappoints you after that. But like the, I think it's just, I don't know. I I just thought it was. I thought it was just in the moment. It was awful, um, and it was an amazing moment. Is the the thing that sucks is when like these when moments get ruined by everybody, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Um, I'm very confident. She's gonna have a great year. I'm not like worried at all. I think that she's going to be a top 15 player in the game. She might be a top five player. She might get to number one in the world, but like a top 15 player is extraordinary. And like, I don't think like outside of maybe a, a once in a blue moon type player, we should ever be expecting somebody to get to number one in the world. I, I agree. And I had even asked, like, how long is she off the tee and, and her not being super long? I know the women's game's not exactly the same as the men's, but that's just another reason why you might not think somebody would for sure be dominant. Um, Andy, the only other note I had where I felt like a couple times when I was watching, I was like, wait a minute, did I just see that? The length of conceded putts to oh me my God. is out of control. Did you see the cup show one that she I, gave for the end that, of the match? To end the match, it was like a good two and a half, three feet. We saw 
people miss multiple putts of that length. The conceded putts, I, I, I was like, wait, did I just, did I just see that correctly? Over and over again. Not, she was not the only one. That was the most egregious one, and that's when I tweeted, like, this is crazy. But there were a lot of conceded putts in a lot of matches that people should not be giving. The cup show, the cup show one was like I had just taken like the first sip of my coffee, and I was like, <laughs> "Wait, what? It's crazy to end the match." <laughs> to end, yeah, like honestly, as somebody who's played some matches that of <laughs> of very little uh, meaning compared to these matches, like if somebody's closing me out, they're putting almost anything. Like you have to hit it so close if you're if you're closing out the match to not have to close it out because right? it's a hard putt to make. Yes, we just talked about it at the top. One of the hardest things to do is to is to close out a great player. Yeah, it, I, I really couldn't believe it. So uh, that's a huge note. And I, I was also going to say on this in advance of the Ryder Cup, one expression I hate, hate, is when people say, oh, like give some, be more generous with the putts you give at the beginning of the match and then at the end of the match, make them hold everything as if that's some kind of clever strategy I will take the other side of that every I, time. I, I think that's a good strategy. I'm so out on that. Make them make everything. If if you think giving them I'm telling you, footer, I, I'm, I'm you so out hit, on If that. you haven't hit a three-footer and it's like 15 and you got to make one, it's kind of like, I haven't made one. One of my favorite things. But you're, dismissing, ways that they start might, you're dismissing that they might miss the first one. I know. I know that is right. You're right about that. One of my favorite ways to start a round of golf is when I I make a four or five footer. I just feel like everything's right in the world. And then my day is off to the races from there. See that that's fine. But if you actually think I know that I sound like a mental head case, (laughs) I just this is an interesting one where I, I think there's a mix of opinions on and it's probably a polarizing question. So maybe I'll have to toss it out there in advance of the Ryder Cup. But I think you'll get like 50 50 on if people think that's a good strategy or not. I say hardcore now. Hey, uh, I, I got a question for you. How do, how do you start your morning? What's your morning routine look like? <laughs> I drink cold brew. That's the first thing I do. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Maybe you should try drinking AG1. Wow. Uh, AG1 is a partner of the of the shotgun start and it is the comprehensive uh health solution uh and a power habit in one so while i had my coffee this morning i also had an ag1 super easy just dump some powder and some water shook it up i got water and i got a whole bunch of nutrients and and great stuff for my body uh it's great for recovery and it's also like great for I, I drink mine before I go on runs in the morning and it just like I get water, I get like a little boost of energy. AG1 empowers the gut for whole body health. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's much more than a greens powder. It's all of your key health products in one. So Joseph, I'm telling you, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then AG1 is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to AG1 or drinkag1.com slash shotgun. That's drinkag1.com slash shotgun. Uh, and uh, check it out. All right. Should we move on? You done with uh, Solheim? Think so. I think that's all I got. Yeah. 
All right, uh, let's go. Let's move uh, to the Corn Ferry Tour. I thought this was really big, uh, big news. I, I I saw nothing on it, really. Um, but this is somebody that covered a lot of college golf at the time when he was playing. So I, I found it. Norman Zhang wins uh, the Nationwide Children's Hospital. It was a playoff event on the Corn Ferry Tour, so they're down to like seventy-five guys. The top thirty guys get cards. Um, he moved to 12th in the Corn Ferry Tour standings. He he is getting his card. Um, Norman Zhang, for those that are unaware, was the uh, the guy five years ago. Like uh, probably 3x Ludwig hype coming when he was in college and coming out. Um, he, I I I remembered this um, Ryan Lavner article, which had some wild wild stuff in it. <laughs> um, at the time, I mean, so Casey Martin, who was his, his college coach at, at yep. Oregon, he uh, at this is a quote at 19 years old. I think Tiger is the only guy I would defer to as being better than Norman. I haven't seen much better than him at that age. He's really that good. Another anecdote. Uh, Zhang's play during his sophomore season has been so awe-inspiring. College coaches and players are whispering that they're competing against a future number one. Blessed with unique combination, a unique combination of power and touch, humbleness and swagger, he's the most tantalizing 19-year-old prospect in golf since... Dot, dot, dot. Well, that's up for debate. So this guy has... I mean, wild ride. So he turns pro... Um, he, he just to give some context, he won the Western Am. He won an NCAA regional. He won a ton in college. I think he won like seven times in college his sophomore year. I remember I was excited to go see him as a freshman when the NCAAs were at Rich Harvest Farm this week's live site. And I, I was like, I had never seen a picture of Norman Jean. And I, and I went out there and it was just this massive guy. He was a freshman. He was huge. And I was like, I could, and I, I'll never forget watching him hit a hit a ball. But anyways, he he turns pro, and it's been a rough go. He he had an awful corn ferry tour. He ended up on, I think he was playing all pro tour events, mini tour events. Had no status whatsoever at one point on any PGA tour. Um, but he's slowly come back. And you know what's crazy, Joseph? Do you know how old he is? Mm, I'm so tempted to cheat because I have it up, but I'm not going to look. Uh, I, I don't know. 24. 24? Okay. Okay. He's yeah. just, he's still only 24. I think Ludwig Aberg's 23. And now he's here. So he, he's, he's going to be on the PGA tour. And uh, I think this is, this is a, a newsworthy item. I agree. I, since I got like hardcore involved in, in working in golf, he was the first college prospect to come out that was that really had the hype. And Ludwig Aberg reminds me a lot of him. It felt very similar to that kind of hype where he won a bunch at the end of his college career. And it was it, people were really excited. He had excitement with him, like the betting community. This kid's coming up. He was a thing and was largely disappointing to the point where you'd start to see tweets like, uh, are people seeing what's happening with Norman Jong? And for him to now turn it around to where he's starting to have success, I think it's a huge story. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I know this is completely different circumstances. Um and I don't I don't mean to I'm not lofting any sort of expectation on his PGA tour career. 
um, at this point. You know, I think he, I think he's probably, you know, I don't know if he's going to be better for what he went through, but I guarantee he has a lot different perspective on life and golf um, because of what he's gone through. Uh, but the, you know, what this reminds me a little bit of, and it's completely different circumstances is Patrick Cantlay where Patrick, Patrick Cantlay was just like out of this world. Good as an am. And then obviously he had injuries and personal tragedy. And basically like, I remember he started to make a comeback and this was, you know, five years ago, six years ago now. And it was like, Patrick Cantlay is making a comeback and it's like, Oh, he's still only 24. And this this is different. And I, I don't want to at all compare him to one of the, you know, 10 best players in the world here. But it it feels very similar in the sense of like he's lived this whole whole life. And maybe that's going to make the PGA Tour just a little bit more approachable and easier. Yeah, I think it's just a mental bias that we have that we that when a player comes out early, we just forget how young they are. There's certain names like that. Joaquin Neiman's only 24. Sung J.M., where when you throw it out there and you remind people how young they are, it's it's almost shocking. I mean, like Matt Wolf's in that bucket. He's probably, what, 24, 25? Right, right. And then like uh, when you have Bo Nix, the college quarterback, win this weekend and people are starting to hype him up and it's like wait a minute he's like 23 or 24 i forget exactly how old he is you forget there that's two years older than people who are playing at the professional level already and norman jong's in that bucket where it's like if he gets things back a little bit he's still young i think we always do that with those type people who turn professional early we just keep forgetting yeah yeah so uh, Norman Jong is uh, heading to the PGA Tour. Other uh, big performances in in uh, at at the Nationwide. I always get this mixed up because Nationwide. You're probably too young, but Nationwide used to be a, a, a the title sponsor of the uh, of the Corn Ferry Tour. So um, other big performances. Curtis Luck, uh, former USAM champ. He 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 moved up to 47th. So he moved. Uh, you know, big. Big move. He finished second um, in in that. And uh, other just kind of things of note as as we watch this down the stretch is, uh, you know, you want to talk about a big name is uh, Chris Goderup. I think he's like 25th in standings. So he is uh, right on kind of the bubble. And uh, I'm hoping he gets his card uh, so he, he gets up to the tour because I think he's a, another one of those guys that could really make a big impact out there. All right, uh, moving on to live. You got any live thoughts? <laughs> I saw Bryson shot a final round 63 to win. I think it is a notable story that Bryson DeChambeau is playing good golf. I, I think that's a story. But otherwise, I, I just have a lot of trouble. This, these events are at this point completely lost to me. I don't think they matter much. Really hard to contextualize them. Bryson's a, a legitimate story. Uh, outside of that, I, it, no, I don't have any thoughts. And it's too bad to see the Ironheads finish at the bottom again. Oh, are you the kidding? The Cleeks, what a performance! They finished ninth. Unbelievable. Where were my nib- um, where were my niblicks? Niblicks are gone. I know, I know. I, I don't forget about them though. <laughs> They're the range goats. They finished fourth. Um, what you know? I I guess if if the U.S. struggles, this will be Bryson will be um, kind of uh, Kindle for the fire. 
one could say. There'll be there'll be a lot of people saying, well, they should have brought Bryson. That will be fun. Do you happen to know what happened on the uh, on the Champions Tour? <laughs> no, I'm proud to say I do not know what happened on the Champions Tour. <laughs> well, we're going through results here, so let me tell you. All right, do you, let me know. Do you, one of my favorite, one of my favorite PGA Tour players of yesteryear wins in a playoff against Justin Leonard. The one and only Tong Chai JD gets the title at the uh, what was this one? The Pebble Beach Tournament, the Pure Insurance Championship. It won on a four-hole playoff. How about that? Andy, question for you. Like Norman Zhang, when he comes out and he's this hyped up prospect and he kind of loses it and then he gets it back, does the Champions Tour have that same dynamic where there's this hyped up 50-year-old and then he kind of loses it for a while and then gets it back? Is that a tour-to-tour thing or does that not apply to the Champions Tour? I feel like that probably could happen, right? You get these like high expectations. Um <laughs> For guys when they, when they get to the fifties, like did has Stu Sink hasn't really dominated the way they thought that he would, right? I don't. Yeah, think. but like, do you do you think there's guys in the when they're sitting around after their rounds, one senior tour player, champion tour player, says to the other one, like, "Hey, don't forget, this guy's still only fifty six. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Bernard Longer screwed this whole thing up, right? He's he's just non-stop he hasn't stopped so he's you know but uh i don't know maybe i i guess like do you think that maybe they're they're just can't wait for steven alker to age out right they're like god can this guy turn 62 already i just love the idea that the the hardcore golf shotgun start type conversations like the the norman jong that career arc if they're having those same ones on the champions tour that's hilarious do you think there's an age number where like they expect them to age out? <laughs> Who's they? The, the the player themselves or the opponents? The opponents. What would that be? Because I mean, NFL I like, we're like still 62? figuring that out. It's changing what? too. Maybe sixty two. Yeah. yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. How old's Bernard Langer? I think he's like sixty eight. I I don't know. He's been, I mean, wow. he's been playing. He's been playing the the Champions Tour since since this podcast started. Which he's sixty six, so pretty crazy. I mean, it's nuts. It's absolutely okay. nuts. Okay, at what age does is if Bernard Langer is still winning? At what age would it make Champions Tour must watch golf? I I, I don't think at, at any age. Come honestly, on. if he was eighty years old. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, like the like the Joanne Carner. It was so fun the first year of the the Senior Women's Open when it was like everybody like kind of discovered this 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 iconic personality of yesteryear, smoking heaters, like (laughs) you know, shooting her age. And now we're like five years in, and it's kind of lost its luster. So I feel like that that happens, right? Is that we kind of kill things? Um, It's still like just is it more amazing every year she does it? but it seems less amazing. I think that's the problem, right? It's like, he's not sinking up on it. It's in a vacuum. It's insane. It's utterly insane that at 66, he's doing this. But like, I mean, like he shoots his age, like what? Uh, you know, uh, 50 times a year, he beats his age. That's insane. And yeah. he's 66. He's not 82. 
What's he? Is he going to be shooting sixty-eight as an eighty-two-year-old? How long do you think he's going to play? Why are we talking about the Champions Tour? One other question for you: Is Miguel Angel Jimenez just a guy? Um, I don't. You know, yeah, absolutely. He never was anything but a guy. I didn't, just didn't know who your Champions Tour just a guy is. You nailed Spieth. Take your champions toward just a guy. Take. I I'm not Ernie's. Ernie's just a guy on the champions. Wow. Tour. There you go. All right. Unbelievable. Turn my back on him. Turn my back. Here's someone that will never turn their back on the shotgun start. Let's be Dratty. I gotta say these things because I'm going to Dratty HQ this week. They are sponsoring this this week the Ryder Cup. We are going to be at Summit Headquarters on Wednesday. I will be there Wednesday, maybe a couple other times, doing some Ryder Cup stuff. Um, but uh, they've been a partner for a long time. They just sent me a great box of stuff. I haven't even gotten through all of it. A lot of people are asking me to do another unboxing video. I might do it before I leave. Um, you know, get them in, in my good graces more. But another way you could get them. And our good graces is uh, is getting some fall gear. I'm sure you probably need some new stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Jack Polo. It's a long sleeve polo. I you know I never was like that big of a long sleeve polo guy until like they they sent me some. Full disclosure, I didn't purchase it, but they sent me some, and uh, I started wearing. I wear it all the time. I, I pair it with like a vest sometimes when it's cooler out. Um, it's, it's super versatile. You can wear it up by, by itself. You can roll up the sleeves and you're fine. You know, it's, it's, it's just a versatile piece for fall. Uh, you can use SGS 30 too for 30% off. I'm really struggling with these ads without Brendan. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, you got anything, uh, else on the week in golf? You got to, what are you looking forward to with the Ryder Cup? I'm really excited. It's going to be a sweet week. I think it's going to be an explosive one. Uh, I'm definitely going to write some at length thoughts on it, but w- this is a true close, close to a coin flip. Um, that dynamic setting up is going to be so fun. If Team Europe blows them out, that's so fun. If Team USA wins, I think that's fun. It, it's going to be a fun one. I like the Team Mullets. I got to say, Team USA doing the Mullets, I do like that. I, I, yeah. I mean, like, what do you do if you don't have a lot of hair? What's Brian Harmon supposed to do without, you know? There's only a couple people that could pull the mullet off. Like, Spieth can't pull off a mullet. He doesn't have enough hair. Scheffler doesn't have enough hair. So it's not a team mullet. It's like a couple-person mullet, right? Yeah, that's a good if point. They were, if they were really in solidarity, they would all shave their heads. It could have been like Brian Harmon. Yeah, and if somebody didn't, you could kind of find out that who's like having issues in the team room and stuff. That'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. What do you have any? I I was curious. What do you think about the very? Um, do you think the Europeans can gain any advantage for basically knowing who the Americans are going to put out? Uh, can you that pair? Stuff is, can you pair against that stuff? So small. I think again, a lot of this stuff is legit and there are all these levers that i think you should pull some stuff i think 
people who are responsible for it talk in ambiguous terms sometimes to make it seem more complicated than it is because they're not sure of the right answer sometimes. So they're like, oh, there's something you can do there when sometimes there's not. And and the, oh, you know, this player is going to go out first or not. There's so, in my opinion, there's very little to that. All right. Here's a couple quick questions on the Ryder Cup since we probably aren't going to talk till after it. Um, all right. First question. If you give, uh, which team has the talent advantage? Where? Just in general. Which team do you want? Team U- Team USA is deeper, clearly. All right. So Team USA. Which team fits the course better? I, I think there's two ways of looking at that. One is just purely which team it fits better and all things relative. I think it'll net out somewhere, not, not too far one way or the other, a little bit Europe. Cause I think they're going to do some things smarter strategically like targets that they're taking. For example, um, I do think it fits some euros particularly well, like Matt Fitzpatrick's actually somebody I think it fits very well. Fleetwood. You think he's going to get his first point? I do. I think this sets up very well for him. What would I you think do? That, will you shave his head? Will you shave your head if he gets shut out again? Hell no. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But so, so there's that. There's the just pure advantage. I'd say a little bit Europe's way, but nothing major. There's also how much does this course introduce variance? And the answer to that is a lot. And that is advantageous for the underdog, which is Team Europe. That brings things closer to 50-50. I think you have those things working in your favor. And I, the other thing that should get discussed more, it is a physically demanding golf course to walk. And I think that's going to benefit Team USA as they're the deeper team. And that's something to think about with these amphitheater venues that are really hilly. If they take a lot out of you and you're the team with less depth, let's see how the players who go a bunch of matches do on, on each side. All right, last question. We're giving, we're hitting three phases here. Which one? Which coaching? Which team? Which captaincy do you do you like more? That's not a hard one, Luke Donald. <laughs> I kind of figured. That's why I left that one for the last one. It's uh yeah. We'll see what Zach Zach just got to be fired up after uh, after the Iowa game last week this weekend. Hey, one other question on that. This is in my notes. Stupid prompt for you to think about. The Deion Sanders situation is awesome. If you don't know what that is, Colorado coach football has completely turned the whole program around, bringing in a ton of transfers, being cocky, being good on camera. What it, That is going to be advantageous for the, for the school, right, in the age of NIL. Get a lot of recruits, start building something. What could golf... Is that actually a thing that to help with recruiting elite golfers, forward thinking coaches will become, will, will kind of try to do something similar at the college level in golf? That's a, that's, a, I mean, like, you, if you, if one of the, like the big pro golfers became a, a college coach and said, you know what? I mean, some of these college coaches make a lot of money, right? Yeah. If you're at the right program. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think Mike Small's complaining about money at Illinois and like he can do basically anything he wants there because he's got the track record. But like if I mean, like, imagine if uh, Jordan Spieth became the Texas coach. I mean, who's not going there? That's a top player, right? 
and selling the social do I'm saying also leveraging social yeah. media that way to be like, yeah. it's, we're going to bring so much money in NIL. The, the ceiling is off with what those players can get paid. So we're going to start making cool videos on cool golf courses. We're going to land sponsorships with alcohol companies and everyone here is about to be rich. Could that happen in golf? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It could, it could conceivably. I don't know what university would would jump, right? And what player would jump? Could could Smiley Kaufman do it? He's not big enough, right? I don't think he's a right? big enough name. <laughs> Drive by. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was simply asking it. You you made the def, definitive. I'm just trying to think of like what players would fit the bill, right? Bubba Watson would, for Georgia. You want him coaching kids? I'm not saying it's going to go to an elite program. I'm saying somebody with an online presence that could start shooting videos and stuff, they'd have to do something like that. Pat Perez, somebody who's just a, a known like, oh, this is going to be interesting to watch. What about uh, what about Tom Hoagie? Tom Hoagie. There it is. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like some I like would Matt Kuchar if he just like yeah, that's started, a good name. That's a right? good name. Like. I feel like he would be, and he's kind of in that age range where it might make sense. He, you know, what's actually a fascinating aspect of this, um, with the game getting younger, and they're like literally not being a place for forty-five-year-olds to play until they hit fifty. Everybody's talking about like, oh, should the senior tour get younger, right? The forgotten class, but like. A college coach would be a great job to keep your game sharp. Now, I know some college coaches are going to be like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I get It's like you're literally administering golf practices. Are we missing the obvious name here who could do this? What about Phil? Phil, <laughs> Phil would be... I mean, Phil... I'm like afraid Phil... I... I I'm not afraid Phil's gonna like I, I he would he would completely I mean he, I couldn't think of a better governing body for Phil to operate in also than the NCAAs he could make his own like he could build his own business media business right by doing that there it is that's the number one guy that, that's the number one guy I mean Tiger would be incredible yeah I don't right? think he'd have any interest in that Maybe if if he goes and does it for Charlie. I like this is a fun one. This is going to be something fun to watch. And and when it starts to happen, it probably is going to happen in some capacity. Maybe not that high profile, but people are going to try to do this. Yeah. Those discussions yeah. will be fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any parting thoughts? Well, we got you. No. Uh, great golf played by the women in the Solheim cup. I wish the coverage wasn't a story, but it, it deserves to be called out, but it was really great play. Correct. I, I, I honestly, Carlota Sangata, that's two of the great, two of the greatest shots of the year. Um, to Phenomenal. close out like unbelievable. I couldn't believe when she did it again on 17. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joseph. Uh, people could follow your work, uh, at finding the edge on Substack. Uh, you also, are on Twitter, um, Instagram, and uh, you write sometimes for the for Fried Egg Golf. So you're there too. So we'll see you, and uh, thanks for coming on. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. 